Are you ready for another 99th episode? I'm assuming you are because you're listening to this right now. I've been having some fun lately watching like random older movies. I've been picking up DVDs and stuff like that. I went the other day at a doctor's appointment. I went to Walmart and was looking around. I got, for $5, I got a DVD set that had the two newer Ninja Turtle movies. I got um, another $5 set that had the two, I think it was the Rush Hour movies. And then I got for ten bucks a DVD set that had the four, the first four Batman movies, the you know two Tim Burton ones, and then the two that were clearly not Tim Burton after that. Yeah, uh-huh. it's fun watching older movies, and like they don't always have to be great. I, I, I talked about this before because you were talking about Commando, so I watched it, didn't care for it. Oh, I what? Yeah, you mean I didn't like you mean it blew your mind and was the best thing you ever seen? It blew something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I had never seen it before, so I didn't have any of that, like, oh, I remember this value to it. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I've seen most of the other Schwarzenegger action movies, and I think I probably would have enjoyed any of them better. That way, it was just an action movie. I mean, there, there wasn't really anything particularly clever in the movie uh, that made it stand out to me. It just was just an action movie. It's just terrible puns and mediocre action for the most part. And then it is just 30 minutes of the most over-the-top insane action you've ever seen at the end. <laughs> and that's what's fun about it is just the insanity of the action. Yeah, and yeah. some good lack of realism. I can't remember specifics, but I'm pretty sure there's a part like where Schwarzenegger caught a knife that was thrown at him and then threw it, but threw it more like you would a dart. Mm-hmm. And... It still just like sunk halfway through some guy's skull or something like that, you know? Like, yeah. All right, you know, if you're gonna throw a knife, at least throw a knife like you would throw a knife. But nope, not Schwarzenegger. He's like, nope, I'm. Uh, this will work. Boop. I always see, look. admired his ability to just run into a place and wave machine guns around and end up hitting everyone. Yeah, yeah, and not killing innocent people or anything like just that. No aiming, just kind of like <sighs> flopping them around, and it ends up working. Somebody was talking about the movie Young Guns on Twitter, and I vaguely remembered it. It is a movie, I think it was made in 88, but it was like a take on The Legend of Billy the Kid. Mm. It was not a very good movie. Okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, it started off on a, on a great, you know, great foundation when uh, it just had generic 80s music. It's a Western. In a Western. Hmm. But just had generic 80s music at the beginning. And um, it had all the you know the greatest actors of the eighties like Emilio Estevez and uh, God who else was in it? There's a bunch of guys. Oh, Jack Palance. I loved Jack Palance when I was a kid. He was in uh, City Slickers. Mm-hmm. I loved that movie and I loved his character. So I always kind of like seeing Jack Palance. Cool. But anyways, yeah. I digress. I uh, I watched the Suicide Squad this week. Also, the new one. Yeah, I was tempted to get to try HBO Max finally to to watch that with people talking about it, but then I went ahead and didn't. It is perfectly entertaining. I yeah. guess I would say it's there's nothing special about it in any way, but it is just plenty entertaining pretty much the entire way through. And it is over the top violent. Like gory violence. Like people getting their heads exploded and torn in half and heads ripped off. And then, oh, let's hold the head in front of the camera that's just been ripped off. (laughs) You know, it's like it's deliberately over the top violence. So that's something you've got to be okay with, (laughs) I, I guess, which I could see as a big turnoff for some people. But other than that, it was just kind of like an irreverent action movie. It didn't really feel very superhero-like. It felt more action movie-like. Mm-hmm. And I like that about it. Because these are just... I mean, the whole setup is that these are scummy people that are go- given terrible missions because, well, we don't really care if they succeed or not. 
And so there's no like, let's have a redeeming story and grow and bring hope to the world or blah, 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 or stop this or that. In the end, the big, big giant plot they uh, stop is kind of ends up being kind of sad that they stopped it in a way. <laughs> it's it's kind of like something where it's it's dangerous, but it's also kind of just sad. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, I don't want to just totally give it away, but it's yeah. um, it's also just really absurd. I think everybody is seeing that Starro is the big villain in it. And so just watching them trying to stop a gigantic starfish rampaging around the city is just absurdly stupid and fun. So I really liked it. Yeah, I would. I probably won't go out of my way to watch it, especially with the over-the-top violence. Like, I'm, I'm not a fan of gore, so that that and my, you know, medium at best lack of uh, interest in it, I don't know, uh, probably won't. I doubt it's the movie for you. Yeah. 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 I just I haven't been into to comic book stuff at all, movie wise, T V wise. Like I I've enjoyed the Marvel movies, but obviously it's been a bit since they came out. I guess Black Widow came out, but I mean I'm not going to the movie theaters, I'm not paying a bunch of money to watch it on Disney Plus. I'll wait till it's like Redbox or something like that, or I guess free on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um I'll watch it eventually, and I'll probably... It's kind of like I've kind of settled into that. Like, I don't need to watch other... Like, I haven't enjoyed the DC movies for some time, so I don't really want to. I haven't enjoyed watching the Marvel TV shows. I just... It's not my thing. I think I've just realized that. It's not my thing. I don't like uh, comic book TV shows. I like movies because they're more concise. And then, even then, like, I don't need to watch all of them. Is it just... like? Is it just superheroes or just and like when you say comic book, that means uh, there's a lot of comic book stuff coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, what are some of the other big ones that came out that everybody's excited about? Sweet like, Tooth Sweet, just came Sweet out Tooth. and that was great. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't have Netflix right now, so I can't just be like, yeah, I'm just going to watch this. But also like, I don't feel compelled to like I've read Sweet Tooth. I I'm I love hearing that the show's great. Like I want to see like that's when I want to see be successful because I I like the creators. You know I, I want Jeff Lemire to you know reap the success of the work that he's done. It's different enough from the book that I think it's worth checking out. It's yeah it doesn't just seem too. like a rehash or translation of the book. The the characters and and tone are significantly different from the book, so that it's. Uh, a very different sort of thing and yeah it great in its own way yeah that that's one that is interesting to me because that was that was the first jeff lemire that i read and i really loved it and um i haven't reread it though i need to reread the whole thing i've read i i've done kind of like with salmon where i've reread the first part of it several times in an attempt to reread the whole thing but then just kind of lagged off mm-hmm um, but yeah, like all the other comic shows, like Sweet Tooth is like the exception that proves the rule. Cause like all the other ones, I can't think of them off the top of my head cause I just haven't cared, but like the boys or I don't know. There's like so many comic book TV shows that have come out on Amazon prime and Netflix and whatever. And I don't care about any of them. I just, I really don't like, it's cool to hear these different ones coming out. I keep on hearing different shows, but I'm just, I'm indifferent. I haven't been a big TV show watcher for quite some time, though. Like, any TV shows. Yeah, we haven't really been watching too much lately. I've, yeah. I I know you've been pretty slammed at work, and I've been slammed at work. And so it's been... There just hasn't... I felt like I haven't had a lot of extra time lately just to put entertainment into my eyeballs just yeah. to sit and just do that. So, and I'm going to be starting yeah. back to school next week too, even with the uh, this craziness going on at work. So I'm putting in like 50 plus hours a week at work at work at least and then I'll be starting school and that's supposed to be like 20 hours a week. So that's uh yeah, I'm not I figure I'm going to have probably a, a month or two where I literally don't do anything but work in school. Yeah. But it'll be worth it down the line, but yes, it um, will, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, like it, like you just said. I after I came back from vacation, I've I've been back to work a couple of weeks, I think now, and 
I haven't had the capacity to care about entertainment. Like I, you know, I'll watch a little bit here or there, but like I haven't been able to focus really well on reading. I kind of just got rolling on a book again, finally. Um, my wife, like she, she's the type that she kind of picks the show and she just gradually watches it a little bit at a time every night until it's done. So she's rewatching the first series of Star Trek again. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Sometimes I'll sit and watch some of that with her. Um, those are very fun shows in a way. They're yeah. very of their time, I think, and they're often very strange where it's like, we're in a planet that's like 1950s gangster Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like an entire planet is based off of like one singular cultural era in history. Yeah. And that show was quite often like very dirty too. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's no wonder Star Trek became popular. They made the show for, uh, you know teenage boys that like sci-fi that have uh, some scantily clad women quite often also very groundbreaking i think the yeah. first multi-racial kiss on television occurred on star trek if mm. i remember right yeah and it uh, makes sense because it's star trek is one of those rare shows that is actually based on a utopia kind of it's based on this like hey you know humans are gonna end up okay <laughs> we're gonna end up with a pretty good society roaming the stars and exploring which is pretty awesome yeah we need to get there <laughs> uh, well yeah i think we could talk plenty about how that seems like a distant reality but yeah i want to make jokes but i'm not going to make them because they would be politically tinted <laughs> oh yes 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 indeed <laughs> Yeah, so I um, one thing I have done in the last couple of weeks is my son, he he loves learning about things. He loves video games. Like I have, um, I've got him all these different video game books. I like it started with getting him a, a Super Mario Brothers encyclopedia and he loved it, loved reading about all the characters. Uh, I eventually got him a Legend of Zelda encyclopedia because he's always kind of interested in Zelda because of me playing Breath of the Wild. Mm, yeah so I, I got him that he kind of pours over that and he's always kind of been like especially attracted to super nintendo and i think it's because i talk more about it because that was like the the kind of heyday of my youth system you know and i found that they had uh super uh super nintendo and um omnibuses so there's two omnibuses that go over every game made for the super nintendo so for his birthday i got him those books and um so yeah he's just like been loving going over old games and of course he's a kid in this day and age so kids watch youtube videos and a lot of what he watches youtube videos of is people playing games so he enjoys watching people play games so i decided to start playing the original zelda with like just his excitement with everything and play through it with him watching so he could see all the dungeons and everything and one thing i learned is if you use a, a guide Mm-hmm. That's a really fast game. If you're not searching around for the dungeons, if you just know where to go. And it's kind of like Mega Man, where if you do things in the right order, it's much, much easier. Okay, that's what was going to be my question. Because I saw that you had beat Zelda, which I've never done that. I have never played Zelda all the way through. And I was going to ask if you used guides or not. Because yeah. I remember as a kid, that game taking forever to figure out and there's i remember there being things like you have to use your candle to burn down this one particular bush on this one particular screen to find this one hidden secret that would be nearly impossible to to find unless like you there's one guy who's gonna say like there's something hidden in the woods south of the lake somewhere <laughs> or something stupid like one that. of the clues in the game like i still vividly remember as a kid because it's um um something about the eastmost peninsula i didn't know what the heck a peninsula was oh so it's like <laughs> i i don't know i don't know what that means old man uh-huh but I'm, I'm gonna go and i'm gonna just blindly search around like it's not always like mega man's really directly like you beat this 
guy, you beat this boss, you get his power, that power helps you beat the next boss if you select the right next one to go against. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, there's some similarities to that. Like, every dungeon you do, if you explore it thoroughly, you find um, uh, either a new weapon or item or an upgraded weapon or item. Plus, there's uh, different things you can power up throughout the game, too. So, like, the first thing I did, the guy I found, it was very simple. And it kind of goes to show, like you said, that game took a long time as a kid. But there really wasn't that much content to it. When you know where to find stuff and how to find it, like, it's really quick and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the first thing I did was it gave a list of, like, all the things you can do to power yourself up before you even go into the first dungeon. So, I found a bunch of heart containers so I had more life. Um, I figured out how to upgrade my sword, how to get a better shield. So, like, I had all that stuff before I even went in the first dungeon. And then, like, the first dungeons, especially at that point, were just, like, they were nothing. They were the easiest thing, you know? But, yeah, so you get different things. Like, the bush you're talking about, it's harder to find it until you get the, I think it's the red candles. Like, you you start by... Yeah, I remember there being two different color candles. Yeah, I think you buy the blue candle... But then in one of the dungeons, you find the red candle, and the red candle you can continue to use, whereas the blue candle you can only use once per screen. So once you find the red candle, you can try burning as many bushes as you want to try to find secret entrances. Because that's there, there is the one that's the entrance to one of the dungeons, but there are also other bushes that are just entrances to secret spots where you get rupees. Mm, okay. Uh, so, like, there's things like that. There's uh, dungeons you have to cross, um, like, a kind of single block breadth of water and you need that ladder thing right yeah one of the dungeons you get the ladder so you can cross that there's a dungeon that you need a raft to get to and the rafts like you go onto a dock and then once you hit the dock you just shoot in a straight direction out of the dock so you have no control over where you're going at that point but um it takes you to a dungeon and there's also another spot in the world where it takes you to a heart container all of this is totally coming back to me as you describe it yeah. And I remember all of that. Yeah, so it makes it pretty easy. The The dungeons, there was... I think there were only two dungeons out of all nine. So there's like the eight different levels, and then the ninth is when you actually go to fight Ganon. There were only two that were hard because of the enemies and how many they would put in certain areas and how hard they would be to kill. Hmm, okay. Every, like All of them were pretty easy because uh, even if the enemies were a little bit tricky... You just had to, like, maneuver around them. And then one of the nice things about playing it on the Switch is if you go into a room and you screw up, you hit the two shoulder buttons on the controller and you can back the game up. So you can actually just rewind a little bit. Whoa, that is totally unfair. That is, like, oh my goodness. For a game like Zelda, that is just... It makes it really fun with playing those old games because I'm not playing it to, like, be challenged... I'm playing it to revisit an old game, you know? Uh-huh. And I don't just want to watch a video. Like, I want to play it. But, like, I on, like that's why I looked at the guide. I don't want it to be hard. I want to re-experience it. Because I, if I want to put myself in a, a, the challenge of a game, I'm going to play Breath of the Wild. Like, I'm, I'm not one of those that wants to go play an old game and be challenged by it. Like, I want to play it to enjoy it and to remember it. But I don't have time to spend, like, countless hours playing a game I played when I was a kid. When there's new games I want to play, you know, it's like I'm going to put that time into Breath of the Wild, or I just picked up uh, Skyward Sword that they um, they remade for the Switch. Um, I still have Link's Awakening to play for the Switch, so it's like I got I want to play a bunch of Zelda games. Like I'm going to start on Zelda too, but I sure as hell will use every cheat and shortcut I can to just progress through the game as easy, easily as possible. I'm not like trying to show off like, ooh, look what I beat. I mean, it still takes ability to beat it. The reason I was able to beat it so fast is I also, like, I remember everything about how everything works in Zelda, so I didn't have to figure anything out. It was just, you know, not not having to figure out where to go is what saved the time. So the strategy guide you used, was it, like, super complete? Like, you mentioned that you were able to upgrade your sword, upgrade your shield, get extra heart containers before you even went into the first dungeon. Was it, like, was the guide so complete where it said, here, like, go this place, upgrade your sword, go here, upgrade your shield before you go here? Or did you have to figure that stuff out yourself like you know i could go and upgrade my sword and shield without before even going to the dungeon because of this and that like like how how involved was it it was it it, 
it sounds more involved than it is because it literally was like, all right, from the starting screen, go right three screens up, two screens, left one screen, and there you'll find this. Yeah, you know, it's like sure, yeah. the the layout of the world is very very simple, so mm-hmm. it's it's not very big at all. Like it feels big because it was the first game that did that, but it it's not. It's not very big. It's not very hard to navigate around. And like kind of once you get a feel for it a little bit, you can literally just run through the screens and ignore most of the bad guys because you you know how they move once you see it a couple of times. Like yeah. they move pretty predictably, and especially once you upgrade things, you're so unlikely to get hurt that you can kind of run through with not being you know concerned about them. You know, when you upgrade your shield, uh, your shield's able to block, um, like, um, like the Zora's little, like, fireball it shoots at you, or, like, laser sword shots and stuff like that. Some of the more annoying bad guys, there's ones, it's funny because my son knows the names of all these characters, and I, I never knew any of their names because there wasn't a guide that told you all these things when the game was new. But I got him that Zelda encyclopedia, and he's just been pouring over it because he loves that stuff. So there's this one, he says it's called a pea hat. And it's like this stupid, like, I don't know, like a kind of conical almost looking guy with like a propeller on top. Mm-hmm. And when they're moving, you can't hit them and you can't hurt them. So you have to wait till they stop. They're not very dangerous enemies, but they put a bunch on a screen and it's just annoying because you don't like you just want to go through the screen. But there are all these characters and you can't hurt them until they stop moving and they just kind of keep going forever obnoxiously. I remember those guys, yeah, and they, like, speed up as they're moving, right, and then slow down again? Yeah, they slow down and stop, so when you know that they're going to stop, and then you can kill them. And, uh, yeah, so those are annoying. Those are probably the most annoying uh, enemies on the, the main world screen. But, yeah, it was it was fun, and it was cool, like, being able to power up quickly like that to where you just were able to beat enemies easier. And some of the the upgrades that you do outside of the dungeons, like getting, there's two upgrades to your sword. So like getting the second upgrade, you still had to go through some dungeons because you had to get a certain item to be able to move something to find a secret spot. So very Zelda, you know, like that's still aspects of what makes Zelda great is the way that they hide stuff. and You have to use A to accomplish B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then I, I've never done more then like start playing Zelda two and being like, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna, like, I'm actually, I want to look up a guide for it, kind of learn how to play it a little bit before I delve into it. Cause it definitely is like totally different. Yeah. It's, but I want to give Zelda two a playthrough. There's kind of two aspects to the game. There's the top down map that you walk around and find stuff. And, that's fairly similar to Zelda. It's just that there's not individual screens. You just have your free reign of where you want to go. And then it's just that the encounters, whenever you either get to a city or you encounter an enemy or you go to one of the temples, it turns into a side-scrolling game. And that is just a way different experience because you need to learn the controls of how the side-scroll works. But once you get into the hang of it it you know similar to like what you're saying with Mega Man or just learning how the enemies move it becomes fairly simple to beat the enemies and play through and there's only some that are annoying I remember like bats being annoying because they would drop down from the ceiling and you know there's stuff like that that is probably hard when you're nine years old but now would be fairly trivial but what it has a lot of is What you were saying about how you get new tools or upgrade things and they allow you to do new things. That's one thing I really enjoyed about it as a kid was there's this sense of exploration where there's a road and then there's a boulder in the way. So you can't get through that road, but you can see that there's a city on the other side of that boulder and there's nothing I could do. There's no way I could get to it. But then at some point you get a hammer that allows you to smash those boulders. And it just like was a light bulb going off of, Oh, now I can get to that city. And there's has a lot of that type of exploration. And I guess using the things you find to help you explore new areas. That is really fun about Zelda. So I think it, it does capture that aspect of that game that, now I can go do this because I finally have this. 
and that kind of fun exploration of, ooh, I just found a secret uh, hidden here type of things, you know? So I really like the game a lot. And so, and a lot of it is, of course, just going to be my own nostalgia for it because, like I've said before, that was the Zelda game I had. So when that's the game you have, that's the game you love, right? I've played the game Rambo to death because that's what I had, but that's considered one of the more terrible NES games ever made, I think, (laughs) by a lot of people. Yeah, I do kind of miss that. Now it's so just so, I mean, one, being an adult, you have much more control over getting stuff. And, you know, we all know how easy it is, especially with our personalities to just buy what we want and buy too much stuff. Um, we talk about that. Plenty. I feel seen, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. see you. I see you. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, it, it's just, it's so easy to access games now between being an adult and being able to buy things that we want to buy. And, uh, you know, I mean, you can go on PlayStation Network or whatever and buy a ton of games for very cheap. You know, indie games, old games that have just, like, sold so much that they don't care how little they sell it for now. I mean, I bought some pretty good games for, you know, like five bucks. But yeah, you just like you get so many games and you have so many options. It's just like uh, I'm sure you've seen the thing on Facebook, you know, the the tweet share a movie you've seen more than five times with no explanation. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, people need to do better with their their memes. It gets annoying. Uh, But um, I just love that the like the response that isn't just somebody sharing some random movie that to me, those are boring is a response like the you know the only people that this seems special to are the ones that didn't grow up with you know without streaming basically but like you only own so many movies so you pick a movie and you watch it uh or you know if you're lucky enough to catch a movie you want to see on TV like that's awesome and like how many how many movies did you have that were VHSs recorded off of TV and you'd watch those over and over commercials and all you know yeah well i'd usually fast forward the commercials well, yeah. And then you watch it enough times that you start to memorize what the last commercial is. Uh-huh. See, yeah. Yeah, so you, you you don't have to do the thing where you realize, oh, crap, it started again. And then you have to stop it and then rewind it a few seconds and then start it again. You can actually just stop it right when that commercial is about to end because I have seen it so many times that I know exactly when the commercial is going to end and when to stop it. So, yeah, that's, yeah. I think, something our kids will never know. Yeah, and I, I, you know, that's it. just like with games. Like, you know, every game I, I got as a kid, I played that game pretty much to death. Like, there was a very rare exception of a game that, like, I tried and tried and just could not get past hating it, you know? Because um, you had no options. You couldn't go just, like, trade it in somewhere towards something else or something like that. Like, that wasn't an option. You know, I think a lot of people, like, have these, you know, memories and think, like, you know, the kids these days, they don't know how good they have it. You know, I think this is something that kids miss out on nowadays because they have so many options. They don't, like, they, like, we were forced to experience that. Like, okay, you got to just be dedicated to something because it's what you have. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that, you know, the get off my lawn type folks, um, you know, like to criticize young people for not appreciating that when really like it should be the other way around like we should appreciate that we had that opportunity because we learned something from it and we enjoyed something in a different way that now is difficult to do and um yeah i I think it's worth like uh you know those of us who have had those experiences like looking at it that way and like realizing it's something that we should really appreciate well it's just the get off my lawn this i think is silly because Every generation has different stuff available to it. Our parents didn't have video games available to them. And so they get off my lawn about the fact that we sit around and play video games. And, you know, their generation before them didn't even have TV. And so they get off my lawn about how kids will just watch TV programs. And it's just just silly because every generation is going to be different with what entertainment options they have available to them and what they watch as a result because things just change and develop and it was no different from for us than from our parents just like it'll be no different for uh, the next generation from us as is from us so it's just it's silly it's very unaware of how 
it, you know how we're all in this continuum and things are continually changing and growing and everybody is always having new experiences that the older generation didn't have because that's just what happens in the world and it's been that way for the last like couple hundred years or more you know it's just it's kind of uh, silly to me and seems to be very unaware and it just seems like a way to it's I think we should value and cherish our experiences that we had. But when we try to say that our experiences were better and more valid than new younger people's experiences, that's where I think we get into trouble because, Absolutely. you know, because it, no, it's just, they're just <clears throat> different and it's okay to value our experiences without putting that judgment on it. And, yeah, I value the experience I had with Nintendo, but I'm not going to go and say, oh, man, my, my nephews, they're just on their phones all day. They'll never have the same experience of blah, blah, blah. It's like, so what? They won't have the same experience. I won't have the same experience as them, and then the next generation won't have the same experience as them. It's just it's it's very self-aware, and it seems like it's ignoring reality for trying to make our own experiences seem more special and unique than they are. Even though that, I mean, they were unique, but they're unique in a way where that everyone's (laughs) was unique. So it's like everyone is a special snowflake, just like everyone else kind of (laughs) thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, um, a lot of our responses to things are based on, you know, how we experience them when we experience them. So like we just talked about Commando. I don't give two craps about Commando. I didn't watch it when it was a newer movie or whatever when I was a kid. And I it it has nothing for me. But there's a lot of other movies that are similar that but do that one's because different, I'm like, Paul. oh, I remember. No, that's it's not. It's Commando is a special Commando movie, can get and off if you, my lawn. It, it it is objectively a special movie. And if you can't see that, then you have a flaw in your reasoning. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, the exception to the rule. <laughs> the Commando it, exception. <laughs> it's like I've seen that a lot. Being a Ninja Turtle fan, where everybody wants to you know piss and moan about whatever the new iteration is and i haven't liked every one of the iterations of the cartoon or the movies or whatever Uh, there's some things i've never even watched um some things i've only dabbled in a little bit too but like the the newest ninja turtle cartoon where they really kind of changed stuff up after the one so they had the one that came out in 2012 that was that was a really good series i liked that one um, and then when they, when they ended that one, they immediately started a new one that was just like really changing stuff up. The turtles like were more distinctly different. You know, I think Raphael was the leader. Like a lot of stuff was different in it. I watched like one episode and I just I didn't care for it. But it, like I don't have to care for everything. Like it's a cartoon for kids, and there's other Ninja Turtle stuff that seemed more at me as an adult who liked it as a kid when it first came out. Even like the the Michael Bay movies, um, you know, everybody wanted to crap on those, but like there was stuff to enjoy in those and the movies are never going to be what the first movie was, you know, the Jim Henson animatronics and the, you know, the kind of spirit behind it um, that like it's probably never going to be that again. Like even if somebody makes an Ninja Turtle movie and wants to do it in that kind of spirit, like they're going to do it a different way. They're going to use CGI because that's much more affordable and they're like, you know, stuff like that. So it's, you have to take things for what they're worth and, and people are very quick not to. Um, mm-hmm. The new He-Man cartoon is an example of that. Like freaking Lola Bunny in Space Jam. Like people flipping out that she didn't look exactly like she did when she was over-sexualized in the first movie. Like all those kind of things. Like as people that like this was my experience and everything should be based off of my favorite experience of things. Yeah, I know. And it's funny, actually, this reminds me of something we were talking about several episodes ago where I think you asked me what is the best entry point into Star Wars Yeah, or something along those lines. And I used to think, well, obviously, the original trilogy. You watch the original trilogy because that is the height of what Star Wars is. It's the quintessential thing where it's it's like 
to be a fan of the of Star Wars, you need to be a fan of these movies. But more and more, I'm realizing there's it's branching out into so many different directions that it's just as valid to say you should start with The Mandalorian or you should start with the Clone Wars cartoon or the Rebels cartoon. It's all there's so many different things and it's becoming much bigger than just the original story was. And so I don't think my thought that we people should start with the original trilogy is really valid anymore because there's so many different things to latch onto now for so many different reasons that that original nugget that I fell in love with isn't the core of the experience like it used to be. Yeah. And in my area era, like growing up in the eighties and being a teenager in the nineties, it was everything flowed from those like what comics and books there were basically revolved around what happened in those movies. And even to the point where books would make go like bend over backwards painstakingly to make silly references to the original movies, just to kind of show like, ah, remember, remember. (laughs) And it's but it's just it's that's not the case anymore it doesn't all revolve around those three movies anymore so i think i would amend my statement and say there are plenty of great ways to enjoy it and it's just it's so dependent on the person just it that it's whatever catches your eye and seems cool to you is the right way to get into it yeah, and that was my whole point with that uh, that question was kind of opening up the thoughts to that because there's like my my son's like you know and that actually I was just gonna start saying something I realized it's exactly exactly where that stemmed from my son getting into Mario games like I'm seeing that there's certain types of games that he's not prone to get into even if he wants to try them out mm-hmm. uh, and then there's other games like his favorite Mario game has been Mario Maker two. Because he gets to design the levels and then play them. Like, he really loves the designing and building things. Well, it seems like it's kind of like Minecraft mixed with yeah, Mario. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. loves Minecraft. He loves the, that aspect of Mario. And the funny thing is, like, I always did not like that stuff. Like, I didn't want to have to come up with a level. I wanted... I paid for a game. You make me the damn yeah. level, and then I'm going to play it. That's how It's like works. one of those restaurants where they bring you out the food raw, and you have to go cook it yourself. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Or a salad bar. What the hell? Yeah. Like, you put the salad on my plate, you jerk. I don't know the proper ratios. You do it. <laughs> how, much, how much dressing is the right amount? Yeah. What the hell are those things? Yeah. Uh, chickpeas. It's just um, going to be all croutons. <laughs> plate of croutons. A plate of croutons and, like, one carrot so you could be like look mom i'm healthy it's a salad <laughs> um but yeah you know it's he and th- that's where there's like the balance between all these things is uh you know we use our experiences and we it, like if we're we're being conscientious of what we're doing we're looking at what lesson is there about looking at our experiences not just our experiences are good and that's flat it you know like i can look at we were talking about as kids like we played the hell out of any game we had because it's what we had that doesn't mean that's how it should necessarily be like i said kids have a lot more access to games now that's not necessarily a bad thing but teaching them the lesson of choosing something and sticking with it is a valuable lesson and like him with mario games he wants to keep on like he'll try something once it gets a little bit hard he wants to fall back to just playing minecraft or playing mario maker and he keeps on doing that and so like he really wanted uh, one of the newer Mario games that was like a re-release of one of the ones from Wii U. I've noticed they do that a lot because I think Wii U wasn't as successful as they wanted. So they're like trying to still capitalize on some of the properties they made. Hmm. But anyways, he wanted one. And I was like, I'm not getting you that because you have these other Mario games you haven't played. And I was like, you can ask for it for your birthday. So I got it for him for his birthday, of course. And he got it, played it a tiny bit. Now it was like the day of or the day after his birthday. So he had a lot of new things to enjoy. So like, it's okay that he didn't really dive into it, but he like, he played it a little bit and said it was too hard and went back to, you know, playing either with some of his new toys or like if he's playing video games, just went back to playing Minecraft or whatever. And it's like now, now we're at the point where it's like, okay, this is why I said this and you're not going to get a new Mario game until you play the ones you have. Because he has to learn that lesson. Like, he can't just get something and be like, nah, it's not worth the effort. 
But then he loves watching YouTube videos of people playing these games. So it's like, okay, you got to put those two things together. Like, you enjoy watching them. You want to see this stuff. Put the effort in and challenge yourself. And don't give up when something's just a little bit too hard, you know? So it's a mix of things. It's not just like, you know, when I was a kid, we did it this way. Like, my wife talks about when, when she was a kid, they had a Nintendo. And when the Super Nintendo came out, their mom was like, you don't need that. You already have a Nintendo. And she, like, just didn't get it and wasn't going to get it, you know? Uh-huh. This isn't the same. Like, this is something different. And, like, this is how stuff is now you know like i guess i was i I was lucky that um you know my my parents were aware enough that um and plus my mom enjoyed playing video games like not a ton but like i did but like she she played mario games regularly and stuff like that so i mean she always had some enjoyment with it but you know like they understood that so it's like i had a nintendo and i still remember being a kid in toys r us and they had the super nintendo on sale and, like, you got, it was, like, you know, back then, systems always came with games. And you got the Super Nintendo uh, with Super Mario World. But then there was a mail-in thing to get Super Mario All-Stars. And there was some kind of a sale. Hmm. So, I remember my mom going to a payphone, <laughs> calling my dad, and saying, like, hey, can we get this for him? And, like, she asked me, like, if I would sell my Nintendo and my, I think I had a Nintendo and a Game Boy, which I never got into Game Boy. But, like, she basically asked me if I would sell, maybe it wasn't a Game Boy. I think I actually had gotten a TurboGrafx-16 that my parents bought from my uncle for me for Christmas because I got it with a whole bunch of games. And so she asked me, like, would I sell those things to go towards the cost of the Super Nintendo? And then she called my dad to see if it was okay if we just went ahead and got it. Then we would sell those things. And that's what we did. Like, that is still stamped in my mind because it was it was special, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, But, yeah, it's like you have to have parents that are, like, you know, cognizant of those things. And, like I said, my wife, her, her mom, nope, <laughs> didn't get that at all. But, like, my, my mom did, so I was lucky in that way. Yeah, that's cool. So, uh, away from video games, I, since our last uh, talk read all of Transmetropolitan, which I enjoyed a whole lot. It's uh, something that I've been meaning to go back and read again because I I bought all the Absolute editions because I remember absolutely loving it when it was coming out, but I haven't read it since it came out. And it was that was coming out in the beginning of the 2000s. I think it started in like 1998 or 1999 or something like that. Because it was um, around halfway through by the time that I started reading it. And I flew through it. Just it uh, usually when I sit down to read at night before going to bed, if I'm lucky, I can make it through one issue of a comic book before I'm falling asleep and I can't pay attention to what's on the page anymore. But I would read like five or six issues a night of this. It was just very engaging and entertaining, and I I liked it a lot. It it helped. I think that what it's known for is it's kind of over the top, irreverent. I don't care, and I'm nastyness because it has that tone to it. This tone of the main character the spider Jerusalem, the journalist being kind of like, I don't care. And I'm nasty and angry about everything. And I'm just nasty and angry to people. You, he kind of has that, uh, character trait that off, off putting this, which kind of probably seemed really edgy and cool about 20 years ago, but Mm -hmm. is kind of just tiresome now. Yeah. (laughs) But, what I was able to latch onto, though, is that the character does have an earnestness about him, though, that when it comes down to doing the important things that he's trying to do, which is basically like prove and uncover government corruption, that he takes that very seriously. And it's like he becomes a different person when he finds himself in those situations. It's like he can switch from. What I'm doing now is not important so I can be a jackass to what I'm doing now is important and I'm going to take it very seriously. 
And that is, I think, what saves the series is that kind of bouncing back and forth between those two things. And that it's that he always does come around to taking things seriously when it's important to. And that is, I think, what is um, fairly compelling about the story. Yeah, I was I was kind of just surprised by how quickly I went through it. And also, I was just very... It, it, so one thing I've noticed in sci-fi from, say, more than 10 years ago, and I've noticed it in trans-metropolitan, I've noticed it a lot in the all the Asimov, Isaac Asimov books that I've been reading lately, mm-hmm. is that there used to be this sense of like, I can destroy you with my facts and logic that if I reveal truth and logic about a situation of somebody who's up to no good, it will crush and defeat them and they will shrink away in, in shame and loss and defeat. And that's, it's so divorced from our reality now Yeah, (laughs) where facts and logic are just ignored by a lot of people that it's it's uh it's very strange it almost makes it feel quaint like oh how silly that you think you could stop this interstellar incident by revealing the facts and logic behind why this person is behind it like in an isaac asimov story you have the main character coming up with well here's what happened and here's all the evidence so logically this person is the only person that could have been behind this big conspiracy and then the person says you're right you caught me oh no i'm destroyed by your facts and logic (laughs) and it's uh so it's it's very weird to read things like that and and it's similar in transmetropolitan he's basically a reporter and if he writes a a column where he sources information and reveals these facts and truth about what happened, it's treated as something that will, could actually bring down a politician, which is just kind of absurd in today's day where things that would have brought down politicians 10 to 20 years ago seem to be revealed like on a monthly basis. And they're just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. You know, it's um, what I have a hard time figuring out is, is our world just different now or was it always kind of a quaint idea? And, and I'm not quite sure of those two things because I think it's, uh, it's a value of intelligent people to think that way. Yeah, I I think at least an aspect of it now is that everything is so overexposed that people have become numb to a lot. You know, like things, you know, used to be you wouldn't just like find out on Twitter everything that everybody does literally always, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, think about how many athletes, celebrities, stuff like that. Like in in the past, if you found out that one was a real dirtbag, it was a big reveal and it had more impact. And now it's like, you're finding out every day that somebody does something bad, but then you're also getting inundated with them doing things that are just normal human things that may not be good, but it's like, there should be a little more privacy involved, you know, like we don't need to know some of these things. And you look back to like when Michael Jordan was getting dragged through the mud because people were trying to find any way they could to bring him down. So they were, you know, he has a gambling problem and this and that, and like that was people overreaching because they knew it would get attention and they could, you know, make money off of selling those stories. And nowadays it's just like everybody's dumping every bit of info because everybody like either wants to make money off of it or wants some sort of recognition for being, you know, some douchebag that can say somebody about something, you know, say something about somebody else. So I think that a part of it is like a lot of people have grown none grown numb to it. And then also you have the aspect that everybody is able to be vocal about their thoughts and 
some of the most vocal people are the people that put the least effort into their thoughts. They're putting all the effort into just being vocal. So, I mean, we know that over the last year, like misinformation has been a huge part of not just politics, but health. And people are making bad decisions because they keep on hearing things that are based off of BS. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I think that, you know, I, like I think that social media is having a huge negative effect on our society. Um, everybody being, you know, having so much information readily available is detrimental in a lot of ways. And I think that, you know, if we go into the future and look back on this time, like it'll seem a little different than it does in it, where we're sitting here right now going like, why is this changing? But, you know, in the future, when our kids are our age and looking back on it, like, and they compare it to what it was like when you and I were a kid compared to now that you and I are adults, the progression is going to seem more logical. And yeah. Okay. You know, like there's going to be some kind of, kind of shift in yeah. stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I've been saying for a while, like when social media really started picking up, it's like everybody wanted everything at all the time, social media. Now we're getting a lot more people that are balking at that and pushing away from it people getting off of social media altogether, you know, and, and it's not just like adults that have wised up after wasting too much time with it. It's like even kids, like there's, a you know, and now there's so many available means of social media that it's like, you can kind of choose what actually suits you too, you know, mm-hmm. you know, some people that I, that, you know, that work for me that are, you know, a decade plus younger than me, you know, it's like they maybe they just use Instagram because they really just like to share pictures. You know, they don't like Facebook because, you know, Facebook has been overrun by obnoxious family members or whatever. They don't like Twitter because Twitter's overrun by uh, angry people that just want to share their anger about everything. And then there's all these other ones that I've never even experienced, like, you know, TikTok or Snapchat or stuff like that. And, like, I have no desire to add more to my, you know, litany. Like, basically, like, I use Twitter regularly I keep Facebook around for family and it wouldn't surprise me if at some point I just completely walk away from all of that too. But I think that um, stuff will progress. And right now, just the fact that everybody has the ability to dump their ideas out there, no matter how stupid or ill thought they are. But I think the bigger problem is that there've always been those idiots around it's how quick people are to believe them if it suits what they want to hear. And I think that um, hopefully people that actually are more conscientious or, you know, have reason to be start to change their behaviors because the, the idiots are going to be there. They're not going to go away. They're always going to be spouting stupidity. Yeah. And misinformation. And I think that um, people that right now are accepting that misinformation because they believe this way and that misinformation supports their belief. So they just shrug and like run with it and push it. Like when they realize, you know, like right now people are not getting vaccinated because it supports a political ideal, you know, and which is stupid, like vaccination should have nothing to do with politics, but it's been made political because politicians want to manipulate people to get support from people and to create divisiveness and it's going to take people that are refusing to do thing, things for a health reason, for a political reason. It's going to take them having people close to them die or suffer. And they're going to have to experience it themselves because they believe all the lies that are out there about everything for them to change. And then once they learn that lesson, they'll be more likely to apply that lesson in the, in the future instead of being willfully ignorant about stuff because it suited them. You know, this is something yeah. that we've, we've seen throughout history, too. People want things to go a certain way or they don't want a certain kind of trouble. And so they just ignore the obvious things that should get attention. So I don't know. It's, um, I think right now the best thing for individuals to do is to make sure that they create the, the proper separation for them to where they're not, you know, overloading themselves with all the, the you know, the negativity or misinformation or stuff like that out there. It's like I always say about Twitter. If somebody's obnoxious, block them. If somebody spoils stuff, block them because they're, it's, they're the same person. Yeah. I just, uh, it's, it's weird seeing these visions of a different world where it's, it seems like every 
one writing sci-fi missed just the dumbing down that occurs from social media. And, and I don't mean that as a judgment call against any one or any particular group. I think it's an across the board thing that social media makes information come in such small little nuggets without context that Mm. everyone suffers. And this is kind of a, no matter what you think, it it doesn't lend itself to thoughtfulness. I think it seems to lend itself to just quick blurbs. And so everything is reduced to the level of like joking around with your friends on your lunch break in terms of the um, quality of discourse. And so when all discourse becomes joking around with your friends on lunch break quality, it just makes everything suffer, I think. It it was just striking to me reading some of this recent stuff and seeing the, the disparity between how the future is depicted to be versus what the future has ended up being. And yeah, it's like everyone missed this like hacking of our minds by social media that yeah. happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sci-fi is based a lot on logic, right? That's the problem is like, yeah, uh-huh. you, you're basing something on logic and the whole disconnect is that there's a lack of logic in things. And that's why it drives me nuts too. Like I'm a very logical person when I was going for my associate's degree, like I was still in that stage of school, I took a symbolic logic class. It was the Ooh, greatest cool. thing ever. I loved it so much because it was basically taking like statements, like learning how to like apply logic, but like you would take like a statement. If this, then this. So if, if A, then B. So if C is similar to A, then C must be similar to B or, you know, like that kind of stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I just... I loved it. Like there's, there's logic to everything. And the problem with what we're talking about is not that it's that people don't care about the logic. Like people are, de, you know, depicting stuff completely without logic. Uh, and other people believe it because it's what they want to hear, not because there's any reason in it. Um, and so that drives me nuts. I don't care what it is. Like if you're intentionally not applying logic to it or you're tweaking the logic, you know, uh, it drives me nuts. It doesn't matter how little of a thing it is. It'll absolutely drive me nuts. It's like, no, that's wrong. You, your logic is, is broken here. And that means you're, you're just wrong. Like, it's not like there's no middle ground. You're just wrong. Um, in that class, uh, right, I don't remember if it was the first class or like very early on. Um, I, I went to use the restroom one day and I, I go back in and the teacher is getting very heated with somebody. So the conversation was that there is no value in a single word. There, there's no statement of anything that the kid, that value can be applied to in a single word. And one of the kids in the class was applying, uh, was, was uh, arguing that God, the word God had intrinsic value to it. No. And the teacher's <laughs> like, no. So I, I missed like the debate part of it, but the teacher basically was at the point like, no, like I am telling you this is how it is. And if you are, you know, if you're going to be disruptive to the class, you're going to, you need to leave and you're going to be expelled from the class. Like that <laughs> wow. was the point I walked back in on. But it just goes to show like there's always going to be those people that, that want to say something that's just false. And then they mm-hmm. sit there saying, no, th- this is true because I say so. And I-, I think our biggest problem right now isn't that those people exist because those people are always going to exist. Is it- It's that people that know better believe whatever they want to hear. And like each individual needs to be better than that. Okay. All right. Well, maybe that's the place to end up on. We're at time. We it's are. that time. <sighs> it's All been right, like a well, month since we've recorded, too. I know. It I'm sure glad we has. put this in. Yeah, <laughs> it's been way too long. I think we've both been plenty busy. Yeah. And, yeah. I, th- I think this episode may represent uh, well the how stressed out we've been. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we'll we, we've ended yeah. a lot of serious thoughts in this one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back to stupid stuff next time. I promise. 
We will. Hopefully I will have beaten Zelda 2 by next time and can talk about that some. I, I love how many people were like, ooh, Zelda 2. <laughs> it's really is kind of like the weird redheaded stepchild of the Zelda franchise, it seems like, to a lot of people. Yeah. And I don't think it deserves it, but yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll turn it on and play it a bit too and see if I can remember anything about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been good talking to you. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, until next time, stay 99th, everyone. (laughs) Whatever that means. (laughs) 